Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, welcome to episode number 105 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Sam with Fowser Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Drew, before I tell you about today's topic, uh, and I'm just going to be open and honest with the group, we had zero show prep on this one because I just want to blindside you on this one. So, uh, Lucas, if you could, please drop the pizza song. What's made of dough and tomato sauce and lots and lots of cheese? Onions, green peppers, and mushrooms and olives, and sometimes all of these. They roll the dough out flat, then toss it in the air. It's almost always round, but sometimes it's a square. What is it? It's a Pizza, it's a pizza, mamma mia, pizza pie. It's a pizza, it's a pizza, mamma mia, pizza pie. So uh, today, Drew, we've talked about, in the last couple of episodes, we talked about just an amazing book by Stephen M. R. Covey, Trust and Inspire. And uh, you were right, after reading it further, I'm in, 100% in. We talked about chat, G-T-P-L-M-N-S-O-P-Q-R. DPT. It's not like the car. It's not like the car. Oh, that that helps me a lot. So chat GPT. <laughs> and uh, again, if you're interested in that, go to mobilecoach.com. That's the platform that both Drew and I are using. And if you're not interested in setting it up, reach out to either one of us and we would be more than happy to uh, send you an invoice and send it up for you. Uh, but Drew, this is what I want to talk about today. Are you ready? Uh, let's go. Probably not, but let's see what happens. So I was out and about over the last couple of weeks. And as most of my participants know, I always order pizza. A, because I just love it. I I just can't get enough of our product. But B, I want to see how we're doing. And this has been my experience over the last couple of weeks. And that is, how do I say this gently? I guess I can't. We can't make pizza. If we're a restaurant, shouldn't our food be good? I think I've heard this from you before. You know, I will tell you that... The service I've been getting lately has been timely and the drivers at the door have been friendly and they have been for the most part an image, some opportunities there as well, but I haven't seen anything brand damaging, but I'll tell you, I ordered a pizza on a recent trip and I ordered my, my go-to pizza, which for those of you out there is a 14-inch Brooklyn pizza with pepperoni. So a couple of questions for you, Drew. One, why are you so bland? That's, that's incredibly bland. As as a, as a original New Jerseyite, yeah. that is incredibly bland. I mean, yeah. I love me a good Brooklyn, but that's incredibly bland. But continue. I'm going to make fun of that choice now for, for hours, possibly. It's going to get easier for you to make fun of. I've actually started to go to just plain cheese brooklyn okay i mean pepperonis if i'm feeling salty if you were a spice you'd be flour that is correct and and you know what's great about what you just said is that i'm okay with it 
I think as long as people are okay in their own skin, they, they shouldn't, you know, I'm not going to let you pressure me into trying different pizzas. I know what I like and I like what I like. So a couple of questions. Fire away. So let's say that um, you are feeling especially bland yeah. in your life yeah. and you decided to order a Brooklyn with pepperoni. Yeah. When you opened the box, what size would you expect a large Brooklyn pizza to be? I need you to pause for a minute here. When you say you expect... Like really pause? No, 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 no. Not really pause, but... Uh, okay. When you, when you say you expect... I have, I have seen enough people do this. So are you saying, am I expecting the standard? Because... Okay, let me help you out. If I say Drew, what are you expecting? What I mean is you being Drew... It's going to be like a 13-inch pizza if you're lucky. It's going to have probably no crust in the center where like the center two inches is just cheese stuck to the box. I actually don't order Brooklyn's unless I make them at this point. That's been years. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've had three Brooklyn experiences in the last three weeks, and two of them were phenomenal. Fabulous. One of them was made by Anthony Satterwhite. I hear he knows how to make a pizza. Yeah, it was darn near perfect. And by the way, Stephanie, if you're listening, you know what you have to do now. And then the other one was made by a manager in one of Anthony's stores. His name's Derek. If I'm being honest, Anthony, don't take this the wrong way. But if I'm being honest, the pizza that Derek made was even better than the one Anthony made. Should be. Derek should make more pizzas than Anthony. Well, there is that. And then I ordered another one. And when I opened the box, I mean, they could have put it in a medium box and it probably would have fit. So that was that was disappointment number one. How many slices would you expect there to be on a Brooklyn pizza? Oh, there should be six. It'd be really cool if it had seven, though, because that's so hard with a rocker. It'd be amazing. Well, listen, if if you think it'd be cool that it had seven, then you would have hit the jackpot because it had eight. And then um, what would you expect the portion of garlic oil to be on a Brooklyn? I am generally out of touch on product standards as that's not who I am anymore, but I believe it would be zero. Well, you uh, have just winner, winner, chicken dinner to that one. That's what I would expect as well. So did you get a medium pizza in a large box or what you're describing to me is an oopsie as opposed to a poorly made Brooklyn? I would have been happier if it was an oopsie, but no, it was a poorly made Brooklyn, an incorrectly cut Brooklyn, and then a over portioned on garlic oil, even if it wasn't a Brooklyn. And it was just, it was just sad. So this leads me to what I want to talk about today. And that is, we've just gone through trust and inspire. We've talked about full-fledged expectations at length. I legit don't think we can go four episodes without, but yes, continue. Well, should we? No, no, no. That's just it. It keeps creeping up everywhere we go. And it, it's almost like it's important. It seems to be the root cause of most of the issues going on. So continue. You know, in our big hundredth episode, we revisited Don May talking about the importance of your product scores from your customer's perspective. We've said it a number of times that we're a restaurant and restaurants serve food. And if you want to be successful, good food is the cost of admission to this game. You do have a sticking point around that. I just think if you're listening to this podcast right now, which is the only way you hear my voice, Lucas is laughing at me right now. If you don't do something today, to ensure that your product is meeting spec, then everything else you're doing, except service, service is important. I'm, I'm, 
I'm finally going to say to the entire world that service and product are equal. There, I said it. And that's the key, right? I can have fantastic service if it's a crappy product. It doesn't matter. If it's a fabulous product with crappy service, it doesn't matter. Like it has to, they both have to be equally good. Yeah. And this I'm going to stick to. Product is never out of your control. Never, ever is there a reason that your product shouldn't be great. And never, ever is there a reason that you should send out a Brooklyn pizza cut in eight slices with garlic oil on it. There's just nobody can tell me that that should happen. Oh, I can tell you that it should happen. Absolutely. Well, because we see it. No, 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 no. Hi, process guy here. Hi, process guy. So let's talk about where we we generally start people lately. Okay. Where's the most common place you've seen people start new employees? Um, Somewhere within the circle of operations. And my mind is going to two. And if I'm being honest, I haven't seen a lot of new employees start lately. But I want to say either topping pizzas, which I'm okay with. Or on the oven, which I'm not okay with. The longer tenured the manager, the more likely they are to start that front counter. I would love for them to start on topping pizzas. Let's start with, this is how you use a scale. This is how you, I wouldn't, not cheese, but let's start with counting pepperoni. Let's start with counting ham. Let's start with using a scale. Great place to start. The basics, as we might call them. Correct. If you're a friend of the show, Mike Rompel, and you're in Salt Lake and you're using AI to answer the phones, then why would you start anybody on the phones and toppings make the most sense? But the newer managers start people on the oven because, and I quote, and I've heard this actually twice in the last uh, three months, probably it's easier. And, you know, I agree with him a hundred percent. It is easier. It's easier to completely ruin the customer experience. It is easier to just let them go and do whatever they think they need to do because we're not giving them clear and concise direction. It's sad stuff out there. That's, that's where I can see it happening because what you're describing to me sounds like a driver or a new team member who is not informed of all of the differences of product where it's just informed eight cuts, garlic oil, put it in the box. You know, if we're trying to find the root cause of it and you know, when I talk about crucial conversations, we talk about their path to action. What is their path to action? They see or hear something, they have a feeling, they react, and then they do something. And I think what most leaders in stores, I think their path to action begins with somebody above them saying, these are the metrics we need to drive. We need to drive this ADT. We need to drive this load time. We need to drive this wait time. We need to drive this club time. And I think that what we're failing to remember is that those metrics are all driving products to human beings. And if the products aren't great, there's a chance the human beings won't come back. And, you know, like our friend Jeremy Hill said, we've got to humanize the experience. And the first thing is we've got to understand we're making people's meals. I understand what you're saying. Are we getting back into the debate now? A little. Even though I conceded. this, But this isn't about service and product. So Eric Hammer and I, uh, a couple of years ago, we rewrote uh, supervisor orientation and training. We whatever. And the corporate side, it was called MCOIT. Became a 30-day training event where they wouldn't have to leave their market. We introduced leadership concepts to them along the way. And one of the first ones we did was we called it uh, fixed food. And we said, at some point in your Domino's career, you've either been told to or been asked to fix food. Correct. What's that mean? Well, I think what most people 
would jump to when they say, when they hear fixed food is make sure that your variance to ideal food is within spec. It's the result. That's the result. Yes. I can't fix the result because it's already the result. I have to understand what the processes are to get to it. And so that's how we actually describe the, the program to the new supervisors. We would be like, someone's going to tell you fix food. When they say that, this is really what they mean. And we would go into a couple processes that they could look into. And it was actually the basis for my observe, improve, evaluate that I teach now. I tell you this because when we told the fabulous people who were above Eric and I what the program was, we gave them this example of fixed food. They laughed at us and said, it's never been said that way. And I kid you not, Sam, on the next DCO call on that Monday, four days later, I heard someone with president in their title say, just fix food. Sure. Little command and control going on there. Complete. And I tell you this because I think it's the exact same thing going on in the store. We need a great pizza. Cool. Sam, when do they measure if they're making a great pizza or not? Um, typically at least twice a year. Right. You wait for some OA person to show up at your store, grade five pizzas, 10 out of the year. Uh, average store is going to make what? Uh, 50,000 pizzas in a year, give or take. 10 out of 50,000. That's not a process. That's hope and, and wish. And, and maybe it's dog and pony, right? What's the process for training a new team member? What's the process for grading a great pizza? These are things that we should actually have locked down and do. And I'm sure that you go over that when you do your product stuff and you talk about how to use the pizza grading tool and when they should do it and how often they should do it. And those are all things everybody listening should have in their stores that if your team right now can't tell you how they grade their own pizzas, then you don't have a process for it. And you're not grading pizzas to Sam's point. You're just sending out 12 inch pizzas that are cut in eight with garlic oil that look like Brooklyn. Yeah. And I would say that anybody that's been in a product workshop with me is probably having PTSD right now because they're seeing me put my hand up in the air and going rim size portion placement fake because we do it. I, I mean, if we do it once, we do it 30 times in that workshop until until it's haunting them in their nightmares, because I think that, I mean, this may be news to our listeners and to you, Drew, but I'm pretty passionate about product. I hadn't picked up on that after two and a half years of doing this. I need to do a better job of letting people know how important product is. Can you be more transparent in your actual meaning and use less sarcasm and gilded words and just be more direct with us, please? I'll be more Pacific not Atlantic. Yeah. The product's got to be great. I mean, I don't know. There was this guy 63 years ago that said, you know, make a great product, deliver it fast, do it with a smile on your face and being great image and you'll be successful. I'm pretty sure that formula is still good. And uh, Tom, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, thank you so much for making the importance of product service and image. And it's still important today. In the last episode, we talked about putting the work in up front make your life easier later. And that's all this is, is if you put in the work up front, you allow them to burn through two, three, five, ten 10 trays of dough to figure out how to stretch correctly before it goes to a customer. Oh my God, it's food costs. No, it's not. It's not. It's marketing. Because if you're sending out great product, it's great marketing. If you're sending out bad product, it's bad marketing. So why wouldn't you want to burn $50 of food costs to ensure great marketing. That's a no brainer ROI right there. 
Well, I mean, you could burn through $50 of raw food cost and get your team members to a place where they're producing food that meets spec. Or you could save that $50 in food cost and have them start making pizzas. And every customer that they made their pizza never orders again. I'm no mathematician, but I'm guessing that's going to end up costing you a little bit more than $50. I'm, I'm just thinking it's probably more than 50 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's at least 52. All right. So franchisees that are not our clients that are listening to this, let me, let me help you out a little bit. I know a lot of you are still splitting FL. Hey, you've got to hit this food number and you've got to hit this labor number. If you're doing that, you're setting yourself up for failure because if your team throws away anything, which they won't because it affects their bonus, they're incentivized to keep expired product. Think that through for a minute. They're incentivized to not train their team correctly because they're going to waste product. They're incentivized to gimp as much as possible where it doesn't really affect the customer, but you know, 4.5 ounces is fine. Nobody can tell the difference. Combine them. If you combine the food and the labor goal, it's still the same to your bottom line. And it allows them a little bit of wiggle room because once they waste food, they can't make it up ever. You can't, there's no way if you're making product this back, you can make up wasted food. The only way to make it up is to shortchange the other customers. If you allow them to combine the food and labor goal, it allows them to look and say, okay, the only way for me to make up this food variance is to somehow become more efficient on the inside. And maybe that means if I'm a salaried manager, I got to pick up an extra two hours to make up for it. It allows them smarter choices down the line. Oh my gosh, I have to really watch my labor Saturday and Sunday and cut drivers uh, right on time or, or 15 minutes ahead of time to make up for what I'd use. Give them the opportunity to make smart business decisions as opposed to bad business decisions that make sense for this month's PNL. Yeah, the long-term benefit of the customers are going to be in the long-term benefit of the manager, the supervisor, the franchisee, and of course the brand. We've got to in this in this new world of absolutely no brand loyalty, we've got to do everything we can to make sure that people are thinking of us when they're hungry. I disagree. There's amazing brand loyalty. I just switched phones this week. Sam, what kind of phone do I use? Did you, do you know? I know that you are Apple intolerant. I am Apple intolerant. I, my Samsung S10 plus was six years old. Six, an uncracked screen, nearly pristine condition. Six year old cell phone. The battery finally gone on it. I upgraded to another Samsung. Sam, you use Apple, correct? I am not Apple intolerant. I am an iPhone guy. When you upgrade, are you even going to look at Androids or Samsungs or Googles? No, you're just going to do an iPhone. If you do Starbucks, the only reason you do Dunkin' Donuts is because there's no Starbucks around. If you do Dunkin', the only reason you do Starbucks is because there's no Dunkin' around. There is fabulous brand loyalty. We just haven't done anything to evoke that feeling in our customers. You've done it again, Maestro. I agree. So do you think sending out a 12-inch Brooklyn in a 14-inch box cut into eight slices with garlic oil on it? Is a fabulous way to allow your customers to order from other places next time they want food. Do yourself a favor tonight. If you're running a shift tonight or tomorrow or the next day or ever, make sure you're taking a look at the product that's going out the door. We're so busy, Sam. We are busy. When am I supposed to train? Well, here's the good news. If you don't check the product, you're going to have lots of time on your hands in the very new f- near future. 
But for those of you that have been around for a minute, and when I say a minute, at least 15 years, you may remember the artisan pizza where we had to sign the top of the box. Imagine if you had to sign every single pizza that left. Oh my gosh. I think that went away 10 years ago now. I think it's more than that because it's, uh, oh no, you know what? It, it launched. I was, I was running the OER team and I quietly turned off the, um, um, mark them for no signatures. Not. Yeah. 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 It, uh, it launched in 2012. That may have been my, um, my parting gift to some franchisees. I did training for artisan pizza. We signed those boxes to make it more personal. And, you know, I'm glad you took that off of, of the OER. It kind of seems silly to lose points for that. But by the same token, imagine if you were signing every pizza box that left or you were sending a handwritten personal note with every pizza that says, hi, my name's Sam. I'm the general manager. I made your dinner tonight. Would what's going out of the store be different? Well, that's why it was put in in the first place. It was a huge, powerful moment. Yeah. It, it, it's why it was put in in the first place. And, and we just couldn't execute. So think about that when you're checking your product tonight. If the person, heck, I don't know, if they were using the pizza tracker and it said, Sam is making your pizza. Would you care if they knew that you made their pizza? I think you would. So we got to think about that. You're making people's meals. You're making meals for human beings. Let's make them great. I'm going to put my product soapbox away for at least 27 seconds. As you're putting your soapbox away. And I know it's about time to wrap this one up. I don't think I've seen any good grading practices in store. Meaning we said in the beginning, you know, your, your grading process for your pizzas is 10 pizzas a year twice a year, right? I don't know of anyone who's measuring great product. Oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. Um, uh, in the back row, Mr. Fowser, do you have a question for the group? You know, this seems like it's something that would uh, work really well for mobilecoach.com and chat GPT. You know, did you grade a pizza today? You know, for those of you that would like to get up to speed with product quality quicker, reach out to me. I've created a pizza grading sheet scorecard. It's got the criteria on there. It's got a number of pizzas. It's something that we give out in the workshops. I'd be happy to share that with you. We've got to get to a place where we're redoing cut test Thursdays, or we're looking at product on a daily basis. And people know how to use that pizza grading tool and people know what the criteria are. And they can say rim size portion placement bake as easy as they can say their own name. This is where we've got to get to if we want to have great product. Right. So mobile coach, based on the last episode that we were doing, you could actually set it up to ask the employee, hey, are you working today? Because I'm going to assume you're going to send this to a member of management, right? I would. Are you working today? Yes. Great. Send us a picture of the next pizza out of the oven on the cut table after it's cut, after it's garlic oiled, if it gets that, but before you close the box, send the picture. Great. Is it a great or a remake? And it's a great, fabulous, we're done here. It's a remake. Why do you think it's a remake? You list off your stuff. Why is this important? Because if I do that with mobile coach as, as a supervisor or director, whoever, right? I have this report now of pizza pictures and greater remakes to Sam Fowler's inventory of knowledge. I can tell if my team is actually grading the product. And then I can go back to either the individual stores, the individual people, or I can high five them for having great product. With an organic 
carrot. Man, I love it. Listen, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I started this episode by saying that I've ordered pizza and I had an experience that wasn't terrific. I want to make sure everybody understands that when I order pizza, what I'm hoping for is a story I can tell in class about a perfect pizza that arrived in 18 minutes in a fully uniformed delivery expert. That's my goal. Who is smiling and happy to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my goal every single time because when that's happening, we're all winning. And I want to win. I mean, Drew, do you want to win? Eh, I mean, it's okay. It's fine. I, I prefer winning. The alternative kind of sucks. It's but, you know, as Lions and Jets fans, we understand the alternative. I mean, this is the year, baby. I think we're both saying that, aren't we? I think both of our fan bases have completely unrealistic, hopeful expectations. It's terrible. It's, it's that time of year. I mean, you've got a 97-year-old quarterback who's had some, uh, had some good luck in the past, and we're just the Lions. But that 97-year-old quarterback, if he just has last year, which was his statistically worst year he's had as a quarterback, if he has that year this year, it's the best year ever for a Jets quarterback. Wow. And right now, Joe Namath is not happy with you. No, 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 it would be. Well, it's a different league though, right? No, no, no. Broadway Joe was the first quarterback to ever throw for 4,000 yards. He never threw for the touchdowns that Rodgers threw for or the touchdown to interception ratio. He was always like a, a 15 and 10 guy, whereas Rodgers is like a 30 and 5 guy, which is no, like no Jets, like Jets quarterbacks don't throw 30 touchdowns in two seasons. Yeah. Well, do the Jets score 30 touchdowns in no, two seasons last year they didn't so they didn't score an offensive <laughs> touchdown the last seven games of the year hello welcome to nfl chat with drew and sam hey we could totally do that that would be a blast for an episode that would bore the listeners to tears yeah it would not be a blast for our listeners and let's wind this guy up here's um here's your takeaway here's your call to action grade some pizzas tonight have your team grade some pizzas tonight take inventory on what your team knows when it comes to product quality Service your customers with amazing service and even better product. And I think you'll start to find that when you do those two things, your sales, much like carrots, get organic and start to, to grow the way you want them to. You and your organic carrots again. Look at you. Yeah, right. So, uh, hey, you've been listening to another wonderful episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. As always, like them, share them. Send billboards. Have have a flock of pigeons drag it across the sky. Sure, it works for me. Yeah, there it is. And if you let us know you've subscribed, we'll send you a marvelous Drew and Sam Talk training pin. As always, gang, I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Go out there, sell more great pizzas. And have more fun. That's all, folks.